things off with some big big news drama drama at sea a big breakup with some big ships but to make this a little immersive why don't we bring you inside of a ship let's take a look at what the view is from inside a steamship line roll that tape right now there we go this is the view for seafarer james fong it's 12 stories high with a clear view of the indian ocean you can look up there too i think what's cool about these is like, I don't know what I was expecting. It looks exactly kind of what you would think it would, like a 70s spaceship up there with a bunch of old-fashioned computer terminals. But as someone pointed out, where is everybody? Are they all, like, celebrating Chinese New Year or something? You don't see anybody up there on the bridge. I asked uh, John Conrad from G-Captain how automated these things are. Is this the kind of thing that, you know, you don't need that much attention on? Because it's not like these things ever get stuck in canals or anything. Um, he said, no, they do need a lot of attention. So maybe that was just a photo op. You got everyone... Uh, they would clear it. We can hope. Um, what else we got going on? Shout out to PFG, right? Take a look at this picture here. They sent me their team watching What the Truck in their office. That's the great thing about Freight Waves TV over here. You can download the app. You can watch these shows in HD. You can show your offices. And guess what? We're adding closed captioning soon, too, so you don't have to hear my annoying voice or any of these other people's. You can just read it. That's a big Gen Z thing, too. Everyone watching with subtitles. I like subtitles, like, when I'm watching a foreign film, because it makes me... Like, I was watching a Korean film yesterday, uh, The Raid, and it made me feel like I knew Korean by the end of it, although I didn't. Uh, on the show today, we're talking about that big breakup at sea as Maersk and MSC have dissolved the 2M alliance. That's right, Freight Waves resident big ship hater Rachel Premack will talk to us about that. She also... Uh, has this story on FreightWaves.com that is about Russia and, like, uh, climate change and how it's helping Russia. It's crazy. I'll have her tell her it to you because I'm not smart enough. Um, we're also layoffs. We've all heard about layoffs. They've swept through the tech landscape. we got BMM Logistics. Morgan Gallick on. She's in HR. She's going to talk to us about the psychological impact of layoffs, what it does to employment, what it does to people sitting in the office, even if they're not in tech, if they're in a brokerage, how that hits them. we got FreightWaves' Alan Adler on today. He's going to be talking about signs that the used truck market bubble is bursting. Good to hear. We'll also hear what tech he's excited about. And we got our team truckers, Rooster and Super Trucker. They're going to talk about cooking in the cab, robot dogs at the yard, uh, filthy rigs, apocalyptic family cars, and a bunch of other crap. So let's tip the band and we'll get all into it right here. Shout out to AIT. Did you know AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month? So if your business needs information about air and ocean trends, carrier updates, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance news, you get all that and more in an easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download. Your next edition is already out there, so go to AITWorldwide.com and... Uh, Get yourself some knowledge, but do it after the show, because I'm going to talk to Rachel Premack right now, our editorial director over at Freightways. Rachel, it's like I just saw you. It's like I just saw you a week ago. I know. I know. And I was just at the studio. I actually took a selfie in front of the What the Truck layout oh. there. But oh, so wait, have you now, were you like you were in an apartment or house shopping out here, were you? No, I was not. I was here with the rest of my Freight Waves colleagues for a uh, our annual, first annual company kickoff. It was good. It was fun seeing everyone in person, 
getting back to Chattanooga, I've now been to Chattanooga three times in the last year, and I've never been to Tennessee before prior to 2022. So I'm getting a I'm getting a full immersion into the South, that's for sure. I think the best thing about those big company meetings is they guide you in two ways. They guide you in what's said, but they also guide you in what's not said. And if certain things aren't said, you're like, man, I, I got to start advocating a little bit harder for these certain things. So I think they're very beneficial to, to us that we had that, uh, that big meeting. It, it keeps people from breaking up. Maybe uh, Maersk and MSC should have been over there. What happened over <laughs> at sea? We wake up this morning and, uh, and the relationship is over. It ends in 2025, Rachel. Yeah, so um, uh, someone told me this morning that this is the least surprising news ever. <laughs> uh, apparently, people who follow the ocean market much more closely than I personally do saw this coming for a while. Uh, so 2M, it's one of uh, the three big ocean alliances, and it is the alliance between MSC and Maersk, who are themselves the two largest ocean container uh, companies. And... They actually comprise uh, 27% of that trade between Asia and North America. So they're a really big alliance. They announced this morning that they would be terminating their partnership by January 2025. Um, and apparently this was not particularly surprising news uh, just because these two companies, their strategies have completely diverged over the last few years. So uh, it seems to make sense that they would no longer be part of an alliance anymore. Guys, throw up this market share chart, this market share chart. Sorry, that's a hard word for me to say. Um, if you look at this, you'll, you'll see exactly what she was talking about here. Look at the two big dogs on top. There are MSC and Maersk, and they just dominate over here. Our buddy, Professor Sal at Campbell University, he, um, his opinion on this is that they would have to break up anyway. They were going to face challenges because they were too big. They, they own too much of uh, the market share. Uh, Henry Byers, he actually predicted this thing in his article, not necessarily this breakup, but he said that this freight cliff is going to put a ton of strain on alliances. And I have to agree with him. I agree with him when he wrote it. I agree with him now that we're seeing it. Because when you talk about the ocean freight market, what happened here, and you saw the gigantic bubble, right? You saw the freight, the, the rise up and the rise down. And now the carriers are right back at square one. They're right back where they started with no pricing control, with too many ships. Is it a great idea to even go back to this alliance model and homogenize rates that way? I mean, the alliance model does really kind of make sense in situations like this because you have so much capacity. And as we've, as I've, I've read on FreightWaves.com uh, once before, these container ships are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, there is not enough demand at this point for, for th these sorts of services. So it makes sense for these companies to work together to try to fill these ships. Um, but perhaps with this breakup, we will despite, you know, my my thoughts on this, which are not, uh, you know, anything that the shipping companies are, are you know, abiding by too closely. Um, it seems like uh, they are instead moving away from this alliance structure. Uh, and is this a response to the market turndown? Probably not. These are things that have probably been brewing for years and years. But uh, yeah, it is, it is interesting how this market turned down and the turn away from alliances seems to be coming together right now. 
I don't know. I, you know, I kind of agree. See, here's what Henry wrote. He said, if bookings, can you show us? It says, if bookings continue to soften through June, we expect to see spot rates on this trade lane decline further. But ocean carriers may go to greater lengths than ever before to try and protect their record-setting earnings. They have already been cutting capacity on major trade routes through measures such as blank sailings and reassigning vessels to other services. But if the decline in volumes accelerates in the weeks ahead, we may see the alliances test their strength and discipline like never before. And, you know, I, I think what Henry's leaning into and what I am is just... Just, um, I think they see it. They see it pretty clearly, right? Like they gained nothing over these past couple years. They gained no control. And shippers are, you know, the, the JOC, they put out articles like the, uh, that, you know, the, come to TPM and, you know, you shippers are going to pay out the nose, even though there's way too much capacity. There's literally an article on their site. I know you got to keep the sponsors happy before they come out to Long Beach, Rachel, but it seems a little unrealistic to me. But the question is, you don't think it's the market, but do you think that this dynamic, now there's two free agents, there's Maersk and MSC, it fundamentally destroys what's left the ocean alliance uh the alliance very creative guys um do you think those yeah. two are, are hit by this it's it's not something that i could really say either way uh whether these alliances will continue to kind of dissolve over the coming years uh it seems that marisk or msc they could probably go on their own they probably don't need to be part of an alliance they could just not be part of any alliance. Another interesting kind of trend over the last few years is that a lot of these ocean carriers haven't even really been abiding by their alliances. They set up strategic agreements with other ocean carriers and they uh, just with the, you know, lack of capacity in the ocean market, they can just, they kind of just have been going out on their own or setting up alliances with other uh, carriers outside of their own, you know, specified alliance. So it seems like these agreements have been kind of shifting a lot uh, during the COVID year. So whether that trend will continue and we will continue to see these ocean carriers go out on their own, uh, that, that will definitely be interesting to track. And shippers, this isn't until 2025, so just be mindful of it. This is going to yes. impact your freight immediately. But as they turn things down, look for some of these vessel sharing agreements not to be honored. Look for them to change fundamentally. And obviously, after 2025, you're going to have to reconsider that, especially if you're booking a lot of stuff with MSC, but it's ending up on Maersk boats or vice versa. That's how those work. Rachel, last week in Modes, you put out this article, and it was about Russia's Arctic influence and the fear of missing out on the Arctic and how like global warming is making the Arctic easier to operate. In. Can you tell us a little bit about what readers are in store for if they jump into your article? Yeah, so something that interesting has been happening above the Arctic Circle or in the Arctic Circle, rather, is that uh, obviously, you know, the ice caps are melting. We all know that. Uh, and the Arctic Ocean is becoming more and more easier to, to traverse uh, via ship. And for Russia specifically, that's meant that they are able to access all of these um, energy and fossil fuel resources uh, beneath the surface and are now able to drill, baby drill, basically, in the Arctic. Uh, so at this point, 20% of Russia's GDP actually comes from above, within the Arctic Circle, and they're able to uh, extract that fuel and export it in the o Arctic Ocean to uh, Western Europe and East Asia. So it's a really interesting trend on how, I guess, to make the best of global warming if you are uh, need more need more fossil fuels. Will the Arctic be a, a new battlefield? I got to imagine with what's been going on in the world and all the sable rattling, this has to there has to be some sort of like military play here, too. 
Yeah, that's what the uh, expert, the ocean expert, or the Arctic expert, rather, I spoke to alluded to is just sort of this increasing mil- increasing military buildup by Russia in the Arctic. It doesn't seem like the U.S. or Canada or you know Scandinavia is responding with the same sort of military force, which I I would say is a good thing, but you know. Different uh, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Um, so yeah, that that's the that's the other kind of interesting side of this is that uh, Russia is starting to militarily also build up and see the Arctic as a potential sort of theater for sure. Okay, well, everybody out there, I want you to do two things. I want you to go to FreightWaves.com slash newsletters and click on two of them. Click, well, you can click on, well, maybe three, because I don't want to offend my guest that's in the green room because I can see him staring at me and that would be awkward. Uh, <laughs> you should do Alan Adler's newsletter. You should do Rachel's newsletter. And of course, you should do the What the Truck newsletter when you're in there. Um, and if you're, you know, masochistic, you could get the like 27 others that um, we do. <laughs> but if you're fans of this stuff, you can definitely get that stuff. Rachel, I do have a question for you. I'm serving, surveying everyone on the show today. Um, I've got a group of males and a group of females, and this is a survey that I just saw come up. Can you see this right here? And it is about the spread between men and women and what kind of animals they could defeat in unarmed combat. And I'm really excited for one of our guests today because they are an animal photographer, so they've been up and close and personal with all these things, so I think that they might be a bit of an expert. But let's ask your untrained ones. The only thing you probably see very often is rats being in New York City. Yeah, I'm really concerned that only 68% of women think that they could beat a rat unarmed. Like, you can just <laughs> yeah. kick it. Like, it's a rat. Like, it's not that big. Like, like really? You don't think you could beat a rat? It's it's pretty small. Um, but we're like, 26% so can, of guys think they can't even beat a house cat. I'm really con- – what's going on with people? You can just, they're not that big. Like, okay – I was more shocked that so many people thought that they could beat a chimp because chimps are not, they're mean. Like they don't like for a grizzly bear, you can play dead. Even I imagine for a lion or an elephant, you like, you could just play dead and they won't bother you. But I think a chimp will go after you no matter what. Um, well, like, yeah. I don't think I could beat a grizzly bear in a fight, but I could definitely survive one simply by playing dead. I think. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Jeez, you went right to the top list. I love it. I love how bold and how misguidedly confident you are. If it was that easy playing dead, Timothy Treadwell would still be here making weird documentaries about hanging out with bears in Alaska. Unfortunately, he is not because one ate him. Um, Great Warner Herzog doc, doc, by the way. It almost seems like like a David Guest, like best in show. Halfway through the movie, I didn't even know it was real. I thought this was like a parody. I thought it was like like a mockumentary. But it really is. A poor guy got eaten by a bear, Rachel. Okay, maybe I couldn't beat the bear, but I think I could, I really think I could survive one of these animals, if not beat them. Like, I definitely could not beat a lion, but okay. I don't know. That's the only, I love the confidence, I though. Rachel, I appreciate it so much. If you want to hear her confident takes on freights and fighting animals, like I said, go subscribe to Modes, read FreightWaves.com, or find her on the Twitter. Thank you so much for your time today, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, let's see what's going on with Meanwhile. Oh. Bailey, get the f- Bailey! Ah! This is what happened to JPP. It, like, never light the firework by the wick, Bailey. Bailey. We used to have a little, speaking of animals, we used to have a little Maltese named Bailey. And we got him like 20 years ago before you'd like meet dudes on the street named Bailey. So it's always weird when I meet someone because I just think of like a little like yappy Maltese dog. 
But I bet Bailey's, they're probably pretty confident, too. I bet they think they could beat some Lions out there. Now we got Alan Adler. He's the Detroit Bureau Chief over at Freight Waves. But as he reminds us quite frequently, he's really more of like a Midwest Bureau Chief. Hey, Alan, how you doing? I'm okay. Dooner, how are you? What'd you, how'd you, did you have fun in Chattanooga? Did you win any money gambling on those tables? I lost that 5,000 in about 20 minutes. I get such anxiety. That that I, I know. I get you know what, it did, though? what? Tell me. You know what it did? It, it persuaded me not to take real money to Vegas for manifest. You know what? This is exactly what I did too. When I went there, I'm like, this is a simulation. And then I realized something, even with like fake money, it gave me so much anxiety winning. Cause you win like a hundred. I'm like, what am what they give you like 5,000 fake dollars. And what am I going to do if I win a hundred? Like that's not life changing money for this charity. So like right away, I just put everything on black on rule on roulette. They spin it. And yeah, there, there goes the money. So yeah, I just, I just generally sucked at blackjack. Like I often do. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you know what else is sucking? Maybe, maybe to the benefit of people looking to buy trucks is the used truck market. Is that bubble really bursting? Because I saw a headline just a week ago that was like, it said like the highest number of new truck orders happened in December. Um, I don't know if I read that correctly, but Phyllis, what is going on with this new and used truck market? Okay. So new market um, looks like the supply chain crisis, if you will, or disruption or whatever has really eased because these guys have been able to build mostly trucks doing it completely. No more red tag. You remember red tags where you almost build the truck and park it until you got the rest of the parts. That's pretty much over now. There's probably a little bit of that left. And here's one number that tells you. Um, PACAR, when they put out the earnings, just they said, we think we're going to build 49,000 to 53,000 new trucks in the first quarter. The range is put in there because they think there still could be supply chain issues, but nothing like what they went through the last few years. So, so what you've got is you've got a lot of catch up going on right now on new trucks. Uh, a lot of fleets have been waiting, running their trucks much longer, six, eight months longer than they typically want to. And now they finally have an outlet to trade them because there are enough new trucks to satisfy. You saw that because the deliveries of the sales, retail sales in December were a record for any December. It was over 34,000. So you've got um, a pretty healthy production environment again in trucks, and they still have a big backlog to work down, including pent up demand. So, you know, Preston Fate said yesterday, he's the CEO at Packard. He said, listen, he said, people haven't been able to get all the trucks they want for three years now. Now they can start to. And, and this is, you know, this bodes well for, for the OEMs. You know, this sounds a lot like the just the general car market. Uh, I, I've been reading a lot about used inventories, and it's it's funny. They're starting to see, for example, like all these Teslas show up on lots. And one of the theories is that people were like buying these as assets because they were in these cars. This is how weird the past couple of years were. They're buying these cars as assets just to hold and try to flip back into the market. But what happens is all these bag holders got stuck with these Teslas, and now they're flooding car lots. Was the same thing happening in trucks? Were people hoarding capacity at all? Um, I don't think so. I think what was happening was the thing that drove the used prices up so high, this is Adam Smith stuff, uh, was basically there was no supply. There was nowhere you could get them. So a, a, a lightly used, low mileage used truck was getting up to, I think J.D. Power said, 149% more than it was before the pandemic. That's down now to around 20% more. So it's still elevated, but nothing like what we saw. So, so some of the O&Os that went out and said, hey, I'm going to activate my authority. I'm going to buy a truck and I'm going to take advantage of these $4, $4 a mile spot rates. 
um, they got stuck. And so a lot of them, I think Rachel's talked about this and others, they've left the business or they've gone to work for a for hire. And who knows what happened to the truck they bought because they got hosed, right? Just like the Tesla people trying to, you know, flip them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what's going on in trucking, but I think some of these guys spent too much thinking they'd get it all back and now they're not. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to use truck side. Again, I'm just riffing on Packard because we just spent time in their numbers yesterday. They're making a bunch of money in used trucks because they can cl- uh, get a premium for them. And, uh, you know, 15% they claim over what everybody else can get. But what, what Power and others say is that used trucks, if they're low mileage and good condition, you can still get a premium. If they're older, more miles, uh, you can't. And one of the things that happened, Dooner, when these trucks stayed in service longer, these new trucks stayed in service longer, is they began to run into maintenance things they typically don't run into because they get flipped earlier, not flipped, but traded, you know, on, on new iron sooner. And now you've got this a little bit out of whack, right? So you've got you've got more parts business for the OEMs because, you know, you got more trucks out there that need things and they haven't quite gotten to that second owner yet. So, you know, it's kind of a, a weird place that they're in. Interesting. So when will be, what's your prediction? What is the best time to go buy a used truck this year? Uh, it probably around the middle of the year, things should even out. You should be back to kind of that pre-pandemic pricing. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking to get a, a, a three-year-old truck, uh, I can't give you the exact number, but call it, you know, 70 grand uh, or something like that, whereas, you know, you might have paid twice or more than that a year ago. That's probably the time. But again, you got to watch the, the rates. I mean, we're not seeing anything in rates that suggests that there's uh, any need to add capacity. So I think what you're going to see is, is more of these people – uh, I think the new trucks are going to do really well because, you know, again, there's a demand to get those. There's also a bit of a pull ahead. I don't think, you know, again, Packard, they don't think it's worth much for 2024, but there is a pull ahead because of California emission changes that will add thirty to $50,000 to a new truck price. So you want to, you know, go ahead and buy what's out there now, grandfather it in and run those trucks. And and so that'll that'll be a little bit of business this year. But generally, there's still eighty to 100,000 uh, uh, units of uh, pent-up demand out there that has to get filled. So I, it could be a pretty good year for for the OEMs. Kodiak's big hire. What do you think of the James Reed pull-in CEO, your former CEO over at USA Truck? They sold last year. Uh, there was speculation he'd make a big move, but I did not predict it would be this one. What do you think of the hire first? What is it? First C-suite executive to join the C-suite of an autonomous company. Yeah, unless you count some of the former F- FMCSA guys who jumped to these companies like Jim Mullen and uh, Wiley Deck, you know, who went to Plus and Mullen went to Too Simple and then left. Um, but by and large, yeah, this is the first, uh, you know, truck operator basically uh, who ran a business uh, who's, who's moved over there. I think it's a brilliant move on a couple of fronts. One is it, it adds all kinds of credibility to Kodiak because Don Burnett, for all the smarts that he has, and they're considerable, is mostly an engineer at heart. He was not really a business guy. He's done a good job. He avoided the SPAC rush, stayed away from it. Uh, you know, I think it also, although he would never tell me this, uh, I think, but, you know, Paz Eschel, who was his co-founder, left around the time. And I think over this discussion, whether they should go SPAC or not. Ooh. So uh, Burnett prevailed on that argument. And now it's really SPAC, smart. You never go back, Alan. What's that? I said, once you go SPAC, you never go back. That's right. That's right. And some of the guys who went SPAC wish they could go back. Right? <laughs> oh, I know that. A lot of them are in, in, in big trouble. I held some stock by a couple of those. And um, I will tell you, Alan, as you may know, 
it does not look pretty in that end of the portfolio. It just no, did not. No, it, it doesn't. Not, I mean, we're 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 down in in some real dregs territory. I mean, you know, you're looking at all kinds of creative ways to raise money. I mean, you know, one of Burnett's points at Kodiak is: look, when you take a spac or you go public with whatever money, whether you go IPO or whatever, that ought to be your last capital raise. You shouldn't be going back. Uh, to the market for more. And almost all of these guys in one way or another are having to go back to the market or raise more money because they didn't get as much as they thought they would. And it went away really quick. And what you're seeing with all these tech layoffs, Dooner, is is people that overhired and now have to cut back. So, uh, you know, we see it with Waymo. I don't know the numbers, uh, you know, that the Google cut in the Waymo business. Obviously, the two simple cuts were, you know, 25% of the staff. So I think this environment, uh, you know, everybody's having to tighten their belts a lot faster and harder than they thought they would. Alan, we're going to be at Manifest next week. You are our tech expert, and I have a tech fetish. So what should I go check out when I'm over there? What would you tell me to go Go check out that booth, go take some pictures, go show your audience? What's one thing I should definitely make sure to check out? If you can find it, Duner, and I don't know how many displays, I mean, there's, you know, there's small booths probably. I've never been to Manifest, so I don't know much about it. I would just say the whole warehouse robotics thing sounds cool to me. It yeah. sounds like if I had, you know, pictures to take or whatever, I would do that. Um, it doesn't really go right into what I'm doing, but we did write about uh, Outrider last week. You know, they're doing, uh, you know, d- distribution yard automation, raised $73 million in a crappy environment for raising money. Um, I-, I would say that, you know, uh, companies like that are really interesting. But I think the warehouse robotics is, is something that interests me. I don't know that I'd end up covering it. Yeah, I cover everything. So I definitely, I definitely would. And I like your suggestion there. Um, I look forward to spending time with you down in Vegas and manifest and seeing you again. But before I let you go, I'm surveying our panel of men and women today about what animal could you beat in a fight compared to women? Men feel less able to take on medium sized dogs and geese. That's the takeaway from this. But I'm just concerned about what animal on here do you think is just going to end you? Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, channel my inner David from the Bible. You know, he beat the bear and the lion, right? I mean, this was before he became the king of Israel. And and I think it was interesting because he was a little kid, right? I mean, he was a little guy and he went out and beat those. Of course, we could talk about Goliath, but we won't. But grizzly bear, I don't think it was a grizzly, I think it was just a bear. But a bear and a lion would would probably be the ones. I would have no chance at all. Um, I'll stay in the bus when we go looking at them. Um, Cockroaches I'm good with. I think I could probably do a fly here and there, but I'm not that coordinated. So maybe I couldn't. But but yeah, I'm pretty much a wuss. What about a rat? You You think you could at least take out a rat? Um, the rats I've seen, like when I lived in Detroit were big enough. I wouldn't take them on. They're, they're too big, man. I know what Rachel said, but, but let me tell you, Detroit rats. She she could beat everything, but she even thought she could beat a bear. She's like, I'll just play. I'm concerned. We, we met her for the first time last week. I think it's been the last time. Not a big snack. She's not a big (laughs) snack. Um, Alan, thank you so much for answering my stupid survey. I will see you in Vegas. How do people, how do people go subscribe to your newsletter? Oh, and your new Thank show. You, you yes. got a new oh, show today, don't you? I got a show at four o'clock today. This is my car wash day on, on Freight Waves, right? Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Nice, nice visual. Yeah, today we've got Sam Abel-Samin and we've got uh, Auntie Lindstrom from S&P Markets. We're going to do our prediction show for 23, or at least the first part of 23, and what, what they expect to see in the, in the truck tech space. Uh, these guys uh, follow this stuff. And uh, we'll hear what they have to say. And we may, we may or may not, because, you know, uh, Trevor Milton's uh, sentencing was supposed to be this Friday. Yeah. It's been delayed till June. We may have Matthew Lee on today to talk. He's our, our court stringer. Uh, we may have him on to talk a little bit about how that works in the, in the ever mighty Southern District of New York. 
Thank you. Hey, Alan, thanks again, man. And you can find all that stuff the same places you find Want the Truck. You can find it on FreightWaves TV, all our social channels. You can get it on demand, and you can also listen to it wherever you get audio podcasts. That means Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, let's get the band. Do you remember? We mentioned AIT's Global Translation Market Report earlier in the show. Capacity and pricing trends, air, ocean, and trucking, economic insights, extra, etc. Well, what do you do once you have that useful data and analysis? You turn insight into action. Partner with AIT's global network of subject matter experts, and they'll design a supply chain solution tailored for you. Just you. Get started at AITWorldwide.com. Okay, let's talk to HR. Usually something I do not electively do, but I will do it today because a lot of stuff is going on with my brothers and sisters out there on the market, right? So we got Morgan Gallis. She's the HR director over at BMM Logistics. And we wanted to center this conversation a little bit around the psychological impact of those employees in the house and those you're trying to recruit who are hearing about these big layoffs. And look, I know a lot of them are happening in tech, but supply chain is not that far away, especially if the economy stays down and we've also heard of, you know, Flexport, for example. They're pretty big. They had some big layoffs over there. But before we do that, with all this animal stuff, you are one of the best fits for this show because you, Morgan, used to be an animal photographer. Is that not, is that true? I did. I uh, had an internship post-college where I, uh, part of my duties were to take pictures of the animals at the center. Um, it was actually at a wildlife center itself in uh, Glen Rose, Texas, out of, outside of ZFW. Um, so... It was actually like the most life-changing experience I think I've ever had um, because that's kind of what my degree. Yeah, there's a picture. Yeah. Um, I took that picture. That's a baby rhino. Um, his name is Jiwei. I forget what zoo he's at now, uh, but he was basically just like a giant puppy with a horn, with a, with a horn on his head. With a horn um, of gold. Yes, yes. Yep. Is that an emu? Those can be yes, vicious, can they not? Um, more, more uh, ostriches are more so vicious than emus because ostriches aren't the smartest. Um, mm. but emus, I like them. They're, they're smarter than ostriches. So I have a little bias towards them, but ostriches, they scare me. They terrify me to this day. I actually got bit by one on my first day at the wildlife center as an intern. Um, mm. and I thought it broke my finger, but, Ooh. uh, that's beside the point. Um, Powerful basically beats. I thought my finger was a piece of food. And bit my finger instead of the food I threw out at it. So, well, wh hey, what is the key to taking a great picture of an animal, like photographing that zebra right there? This one's actually my favorite. I'm glad you showed this. Um, I just tried my best to kind of just get them um, doing their natural behaviors. Um, so this one, um, and kind of like get a background that's interesting, but not going to interrupt the uh, the subject itself. So I liked the reflection of this one. So I kind of tried to find for this photo in particular. We have to get the lighting right. And I actually turned the camera off of automatic and kind of just messed with the settings. Um, so it's a little bit of a hit or miss. So I obviously only posted my good photos, yeah. but that doesn't mean, I mean, I have a slew of like photos that just don't look like that one. Um, yeah, but all, all good content photographs shows stand on the bodies of mounds yep. of awful content. Yes. I love this one too. Um, just kind of focus on the animal itself. I mean, it did help that it, I was in a car um, and was able to, mm. like, they were coming up to my vehicle. So that helps a lot because they're more in focus. But in terms of, like, long-range photography, you want to get the uh, the lenses and all that. Now, I, I'm curious about zebras. So is a zebra, does it behave just like a striped horse, or is, is zebra behavior completely different? 
Um, it's completely different. Um, they're actually my favorite animal, so I could go on for that for like until you're blue, until I'm blue in the face and you're asleep on your desk. Um, zebras, the only reason that they haven't been tamed is because they don't want to be, and no one's dumb enough per se (laughs) to actually uh, take the task on because they're a little bit like wild. They're just insane. Um, they're kind of remind me of my dog itself. Um, because my dog's nuts, but um, they're just a lot of be- lot of uh, energy. Okay, look, speaking of dogs, speaking of dogs, I have a picture of mine. Can you rate my photograph of my dog and tell me how I could get it better? Now, I'll tell you what I was trying to communicate here was the giant amount of drool coming out of his mouth, those shoelaces. Um, I don't know if I could have captured this better or worse. So, uh, you are the expert. I, you tell me. I think you captured the drool perfectly. It's very, very clear that that's the subject of the photo. Absolutely. Well, you know, the subject of today, what I really want to talk about is we've been hearing so much about layoffs and I saw you make a post about it and it was talking about how people intake this kind of information. And I Mm -hmm. want your perspective on that. What are you hearing from people and what kind of impact does these massive layoffs people are hearing about have on people within the house? Um, I actually personally didn't start to get nervous about it at all until, um, excuse me, until, I mean, it started in like May with U.S. Express and that was kind of like, oh, maybe this is going to be an issue. Um, but from then on, it just kind of became more and more prevalent. And I didn't actually start to worry about it myself um, until um, she had Robinson layoffs in October. Like that announcement was like, oof, OK, um, this is going to be an issue. Um, and obviously the trend isn't good and it is stressing people out, but I don't think from my standpoint, adding any fire fuel to the fire and like gossiping about it in the office helps. But I think if people want to speculate on, um, I use, that's what I use LinkedIn for, um, speculating and getting my personal perspective out of it. So I think people are going to have their own ways to cope with it, but I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily, um, a good trend, but I also cautiously optimistic about when it's going to turn around. So from your perspective, though, in HR, where you have to, you know, worry about the the livelihood of the company as well as the employees, Mm -hmm. what kind of messaging do you have to consider, especially when people are reaching out like, hey, are we doing okay? Are we looking to cut 10%? I mean, look, like you mentioned, C.H. Robinson, and, you know, when the big ones drop the bombs, that's when everyone kind of does their their churn and their layoff covers, too. So how Mm -hmm. do you approach um, your, your people with that? I try to just kind of, kind of keep it opti- positive. I always have like, if anyone wants to come talk to me, I have this p- policy in place where people can come talk to me. Um, so that's kind of how I handle it. If anyone's nervous about it, they know that they can come talk to me about what's going on. Um, but generally speaking, there's so much going on in a given day that it, they don't necessarily approach me about it anyway. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, what would, what would you say to people who are like, you know, hiring still pretty good. One yeah. of the things I've noticed about this is because there's been such low unemployment. A lot of people have said like, why, why are these firings happening? But you're seeing job postings. But unfortunately, one of the realities is a lot of companies hired a lot of people and a lot of these yeah. firings are also churned. So the reason that they're not putting them in, and I'm not saying this is everybody, but the reason they're not putting some people in other positions is they just didn't work out as a great employee to begin with. So they'd mm-hmm. probably maybe not be good in every other role. Also, like, yeah. I, I don't know what your opinion is, but it always seems kind of like awkward, right? It's kind of 
awkward if, if someone tries to change you because of bad performance. Like it may be mm -hmm. best for a company employee to consider going someplace else at that point anyway. Yeah. Do you think that yeah. too? Um, having been there myself and reevaluating my career choices as little as a year ago, yes, I can relate to that specifically because before this, I was a teacher and I got to the point where I started feeling like, Hey, maybe it's time to reevaluate myself and what I'm doing for a living. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. If an employee doesn't feel like they're in the right spot for them, like they, they, they need, they need to do what they need to do. Um, and if that's at a different spot, then that's fine. Yeah. No, I hear you. Now, so you're an expert. You've dealt with these animals. Some of them have bitten you. Some yeah. of them have tried to take your entire finger off. Can yeah. we show this chart right here? I got to ask her yep. who she thinks she could uh, destroy in a fight with an animal. Um, Rachel was like, the only thing that will kill me is a bear. And it won't even kill her because she's going to play dead. Alan couldn't even take a rat. So we've had both ends of the spectrum. Where do you realistically sit on here with your expert knowledge? Um, I'm going to be ambitious. Um, because I like snakes, I'm going to try to take on a king cobra um, because I have snakes of my own. Um, I have some weird pets, but a, a king cobra or a wolf, um, wolves are scared of people. Um, they're more like a dog. There is like a coyote will run, will come towards you. A wolf will run away. Mm. So I'm going to actually go up the list and say wolf. A wolf. Okay. So with a, like a cobra. So if you find yourself being attacked by a snake, what is the best thing? Do you just grab by the tail and, you know, throw it in the bushes? How do you attack a cobra? Um, I would walk away, honestly. Um, oh. <laughs> it's a little easier to get away from a cobra than people think, um, hypothetically speaking. Just play I a flute. definitely would not antagonize it. Um, that's when you're going to get screwed over and it's going to bite you. So just yeah. kind of realize, reading their behavior, if it looks like it's mad, walk away. Then that's how you survive the fight. Anything surprisingly feisty on here? Um, like a lot of, like Rachel said it, chimpanzees, a lot of people were throwing a lot of disrespect on chimpanzees, only 22%. Yeah. That thing will rip your, your arms, your yep. limbs off, your eyeballs. They'll have, they'll have fun doing it too. That's the thing. They're a little crazy. They'll, what about they'll rip eagle? your body apart and then throw poop and then laugh about it later. Like that's, chimpanzee is not something I'd want to want to handle. Or like, what about it, an eagle? Has an eagle ever mauled anyone before? Um, I'm sure somewhere. But I can't think of a time off the top of my head where they have. Interesting. Well, we'll have to make that happen to, to Justin yeah. when he's up next. <laughs> hey, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank People want to reach out me. to you. Uh, maybe they need some support. Um, they're, they're concerned about laughs. They're going to want to go work at BMM. Where should I send them to? Uh, me or our recruiting team. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. Cool. Very cool. Take care, Morgan. Good to see you. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, everybody, now it's time to get weird. Take a look at what's happening when you pull up to this yard over here in California. You're just trying to deliver the cheese. And then this happens. <laughs> you get the Boston Dynamics dog here patrolling the yard with his creepy blinking light. And look how, look at it, it walks over to where the driver's sitting. It's not even conspicuous about this. This thing is totally like, I can see you. I'm looking in your window and you better not be some creep. Is he gonna get you unloaded any quicker? Probably not. But is he weaponized with pepper spray or a taser or a rail gun? Who even knows? I hate those things. I think they're creepy. I had a broker say, oh, as long as the, the road, the load arrives fine, nobody will care. I don't know about that. I know some truckers who might be a little scared about something like that. Let's talk to them. It is Rooster. <laughs> Hold on. 
Gotta, I forgot to charge this. Uh, and Super Trucker! Burder, burder. I'm telling you, <laughs> until you send me a sound effect, that's what you get every week. So you need to do your homework, Justin. I'll take it. I want to hear you toot every time. You just want to hear me toot? Okay. <laughs> what do you guys think of those? Let's start off here. What do you guys think of those yard dogs? Justin, you looked like uh, you were a little um, you were a little phased. I th- so we talked about the conspiracy cave the other day, and there was cheese yeah. in that cave, and that dog is in front of a cheese factory. So I think those robot sentries are guarding the cheese caves. It's all well, coming it's, together. It's the big food shortage. It's the big food shortage and yes. the, the big yes. food hoarding. Um, and yep. the ro- would, would that disconcert you if you pulled up in your rig and you – and now you have to deal with government stuff. So seeing weird things and drones and being watched and surveilled is nothing new to you. But do the dogs – like there's something visceral about that dog that is just like – it's primal, the fear. In my reptile brain, I see that dog and I'm like, that thing, that's scary. Yeah, even at the TSA, you know, they have signs where don't pet the dogs, don't pet the dogs. But like in your mind, you're thinking, you're still thinking, oh, it's a friendly little dog. There's nothing cute and cuddly about a robot dog. That thing will shoot a laser at you and split you in half. Rooster, how do you think drivers are going to react to this thing? And how would you react to this robot? Uh, probably worried about how much that thing going to cost when I run it over, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's not going to be for too long before one of those gets up underneath the wheel and gets crushed. Now, do you think uh, deliberately or, or, oops, sorry, I never, I didn't know these dogs were here. A uh, combination of both. Do you think they're kind of nimble, though? We saw that OSHA video that Boston Dynamics had of the robot jumping around. It might not be that easy to run one of these over. I don't know. How many, how many OSHA violations was in that video, by the way? Quite a few, and I like that there's even a violation for doing a somersault off of a uh, off of a ledge. <laughs> it was like three violations for doing that. I don't know exactly what they said, no but book. yeah, you can't do a somersault for that. That robot was out of control. He was throwing hammers around and stuff. He had like no respect for the warehouse. That robot dog can do somersaults. I bet we're barely we're, seeing, we're barely scratching the surface of what that thing can do. Now, we know like all our driver friends um, online and in person, they most of them would lean towards hating this dog. How do you think that they're going to react? Do you think that the average driver out there cares at all or they're like, yeah, whatever, stupid dog? As long as it's out of the way, they probably wouldn't care. You know, really? as long as I don't trip over it or run it over, you know, just uh, it, it'd be fine. You don't see them as an existential threat that must be destroyed. I, I, Justin, do you? Do, do we need to? We need to do something about this. I don't, there's there's some like really aggressive and mean, uh, you know, expediters and guards out there. So if this thing's more yeah. polite than them, I, I can see it taking over. That's right. It's probably not going to shoot you or anything unless it malfunctions. Exactly. <laughs> you got that going for it. Well, one thing you don't want to malfunction is your diet when you're cooking in a truck. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the content around here at Back the Truck Up comes from the community. We talk to a lot of people online, and if they respond well to something or they tell us, like, hey, there should be more of whatever this thing is, we were, we're happy to double down on it. And one thing came up over the weekend, right? And it was food. And we were talking about it, and like, look, there's no more, nothing is more cultural than food. And one thing that drivers need help with, we always talk about health. And people, you got to be healthy. You got to eat right. Okay, so what? That's like saying you need visibility on your data. Well, okay, how do we achieve that? How do we eat right, boys? Well, Rooster took it upon himself to take this challenge on. He started a weekly blog on some of the best meals you can cook in the cab. Rooster, tell us about the first one that you found. Uh, everybody loves a little French dip sandwich, you know. It's uh, not too hard to cook up. Uh, just take some sliced roast beef, London broil, whatever you got, uh, mm. some veggies, some cheese, and a, a, a 
toasted baguette, a bagel, a sub roll, whatever you got to put it on, mm-hmm. and a little beef gravy, and you know, there you go. Doesn't take too long to cook up, and it's, it's a whole lot better than the roller dog off the counter that's God knows how old. So, yeah, well, you know, hey- but, Rooster, I got a question though. So like it, most truck stops are not like Whole Foods or something where you go in and they have a ton of ingredients to make these kind of things. Um, so shopping can be a challenge, especially when you have a big rig. What is the strategy for shopping with a truck when you're out on the road? Is that Do you do that before you even take off to go on a run? You don't sit there at a truck stop like a fool trying to go shopping? Or is that easy to do? Go to a Walmart. Uh, well, a little bit of both. Uh if you're able to go home, um, always you know stock up before you head out. And if you're out on the road, uh, you can use uh, navigate some navigation apps that'll tell you which WalMarts are pretty safe to pull into the park. Uh, a, a big gimme if you're going across eighty and ninety out in the Midwest. Most of the WalMarts in uh, Nebraska, Wyoming, Montana, you can park at, at the Walmart because they have designated truck parking areas because the roads get closed. So they have space for trucks to park. So you can go in there and park. Uh, also, uh, you can use certain apps like uh, Trucker Path is a good one that has like driver uh, uh, driver uh, information put on there that, you know, if you could park it there. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also outside of Walmart, there's other truck stops that do have pretty good line of groceries. So quick trips up in Minnesota and, and uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, they, they literally have grocery stores built into the truck stops. So you can park and pull in there and uh, stock up on groceries while you're getting fuel. We need more of those. Super Truck, are you, um, you cooking the truck at all? You, you, uh, were you kind of a culinary chef? Would you like to prepare your meals before you went on the road? Or did you like to stop at like uh, Arby's? Oh no, I was terrible when I was on the road. I would, um, <laughs> you know, I would buy what I could, yeah. but then like once you're on the road, you know, you're kind of mm. stuck. There's a lot of, you know, we went to Walmart's out West up in the Northeast. You really can't park anywhere in Walmart's or in the Southeast, especially they'll have Walmart parking lots laid out so that you literally cannot get through there with the, the, you know, without hitting a curb or a tree. Um, so I, I would say the first two weeks if I was on the road, you know, I would do okay. And then once the food runs out, it's like, well, I guess I'm, uh, just, uh, hitting the wallet as hard as I can. Rooster, what the, are you going to get the most? Uh, Rooster, what are you going to get the most bang for your buck out of as a cooking utensil? Just a uh, like an electric, um, electric burner, because with that you can cook a lot. Well, th- there's three big appliances. Uh, you, you have your uh, air fryer, three one air fryers. Uh, you also have your uh, your rice cookers. They can be mm-hmm. used for multiple things, mm-hmm. uh, and also you like you no know, dinner dishes, like you said. You know. Get a hot plate. You can run a a, a, a frying pan, a a stock, a small stock pot on there to boil stuff. Uh, one thing we're trying to do is like get in some better recipes, get in some better nutrition to the truck drivers, and uh, learning what tools and utensils to use in a truck. Uh, one thing, please stay away from the twelve volt lunch boxes. Those things Ooh. are actually pretty dangerous here lately there's been multiple cases of the wiring catching fire in those 12 volt about 12 volt appliances so be careful what you buy out there sweet and you know when we say we say healthy we mean like we mean fresh we're gonna have dank food you see we had a french brisket on there this isn't something telling you to go vegan or any of that crap look at my guys here you know they know good food so they're gonna lead you in the right way they're just gonna tell you how to make it and eat a little bit better because you know you control your portion 
you can eat some good stuff and we'll get that all for you. But Rooster, you've been helping out the community a lot. And again, another thing that inspired us was you saw this picture online of this really filthy rig. Can you, can you show us, can you show that picture here? This right here, it's not appealing. And unfortunately, there are too many drivers who live like this and a lot may not know what to do. So you published an article recently telling people some of the things, the solutions available to organize your truck. What is available right now to keep your stuff in order and not have that? Well, one thing is if mentality, you want to keep your truck clean as possible. You know, it's uh, if, if you have your truck unsanitary, you're going to wind up probably getting sick, getting infections, mm. uh, situations like that. Uh, for storage, there's different ways to, to store, increase the storage space in your truck. If you're like I, like I was with a Freightliner Cascadia, the, the wardrobe closet on the driver's side, it's perfectly perfectly sized for a storage cabinet to go in there also the bunks if you're not using the top bunk you might as well just convert it into storage space you can uh, use that cargo net and then the back to hang bags on you can bring in uh, small containers and uh, strap those to the bunk as, as well uh, milk crates shoe uh, shoe organizers those also make good I items to help increase your storage space in your truck. Interesting. And so Justin, what, what you got any tips on, uh, or did you drive in like a junk box? Did you have a hazmat sticker on the side? Cause the cab was so dirty. No, when I was driving team, we kept a nice clean truck. Um, nowadays they have mobile detailers that go around like, like TikTok is full of these guys where they showcase their videos of them cleaning trucks in and out. And they're, you know, all over 48 States, uh, in Alaska, you know, you go online, they have all kinds of apps. I'm of course blanking on off the top of my head, but if you Google, uh, mobile, truck detailing um you know figure out where you're gonna be parking in the next day or two set up an appointment Ooh. and for you know 100 bucks they'll dude. come in and and get you the inside dude, of your cab squeeze dude, that is a that is a we we did did we suggest this for our holiday gifts that is a great gift like that is yeah. awesome you don't understand how much anxiety a lot of men get when it comes to cleaning and like it's just like our brains do not work that way we're not that organized you should see like my closet and i like my wife for example she's much better at cleaning and organizing and it, it's a great team because her like her brain works that way that's a good point too about team drivers if one of them is like a filth pig oh yeah that could be pretty problematic yeah no you got you got one guy that's a, a clean freak and the other guy that's not one of them's gonna win one of them's gonna the win you know the, the, squeaky, <laughs> the clean freak's probably gonna walk now you know there's you guys drive around, or you guys used to drive around with very, very expensive loads, and you had none of the things that are featured on this car right here. Let's take a look at a new vehicle that's coming to market. Hey, mamas, let's talk about the memorable features on the Redzvani Vengeance. <laughs> I'm body armored, and so is this vehicle. This lady's For great. even more protection, you have explosive underbody shielding, bulletproof glass, electrified door handles, military-grade red flat tires, and a ram steel bumper. If anyone's following you, you have blinding lights in the front and the back. Or a smoke screen. Plus my favorite... I need that. Pepper spray. Oh. <laughs> if you're picking your kids up from the mall, let them know you're there with strobe lights and your intercom. Hey, Bobby! It's your mama! Your kids will love that it was styled by a video game designer. Vengeance is based on the Cadillac Escalade, so mama gets heated and ventilated leather seats, a curved OLED display with augmented reality, a digital rear view mirror, which is necessary. Yeah, you're gonna Vengeance need that. is only yours, and so is everything in this built-in safe. Parents might need to help their kiddos open the door, but it's a breeze to get in. 
You have heated seats, a <laughs> Doorways time like control, 10 kids. cup holders, and two USB-Cs. Bring the kiddos along with five top tethers, two sets of lower latch anchors. It's a three-row SUV that seats up to eight people. <laughs> Ow. Oh, no. <laughs> She's in there. And I'm safe. Let's see if the stroller does. Stroller test. Safe from what? It fits <laughs> and it's powered by a V8 with 420 to 810 horsepower. Okay, very impressive. It's $285,000 for this car that they're obviously marketing to like very upper middle class true crime yeah. moms that sit home all day watching ID Discovery thinking people are going to break in their house. Uh, the thing's a death trap, right? If you like crash somewhere for emergency <laughs> services, I don't even know how they get to you. But what, Rooster, what do you think? Would you like a car like that or do you think it's a liability? Uh, I, I, well, the first put off surprise, I don't have $280,000 yes. to throw on a car. No, I, I, I can do a whole lot better with that much money. Uh, you know, a couple of Teslas for that price, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it starts uh, at 287,000. Yes, it's exactly. And as you know, dealers are the, and the, at that price point, you know, an easy 10% is $28,000 to add on for yeah. like, I mean, uh, if we're talking to Cadillac kind of like Escalade frame. I don't really have, I really have the, 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 the presidential the beast. I mean, come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, At least that I one, they keep, they keep blood under the seat for you. Wait, wasn't there a commercial in RoboCop? Wasn't there one in RoboCop that was literally a car like that? And when the thieves come over, they die. Like if they get yeah. electrocuted and they can gash them when they're on the inside. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, that is like a legit cartel boss car. I don't know if they're going to sell any of those. I mean, I guess it's like, is that accessible to like, Dubai. It seems too expensive. Yeah, Cartel. I was watching a doc on cartels. Like I, I was watching uh, Sicario and the sequel, uh, Dave Soledad, and I started getting really into like YouTube cartel docs. And one thing I noticed was almost all of the cartels have like a head of logistics that run. Yeah. The, uh, that run mm -hmm. the cartel. They're really well put together. And all these people out here complain about non competes, but you know what the non compete is <laughs> in a cartel? You don't want to find out because the last thing you'll no. find out. <laughs> no. Now, Rooster, so on Freightways Now yesterday, I mean, uh, Justin, on Freightways Now, yesterday they buried the lead they played your video in their social roundup mm. about these beer cans it, th that are really cool but the real controversy is in the comments roll this tape right now <laughs> i thought they were renderings but uh yeah they're real trailers and they use them overseas in the uk in the uk in the uk and it's just all these people on TikTok just telling him that he is an idiot, uh, <laughs> that he doesn't know where Ireland Baldy. is. As you may know, there is a little bit of uh, distaste between the UK and, and Ireland. There may have been some fights over that. Uh, I don't know if next he's going to claim that Bono is the UK's greatest musician or, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> um, Sean Connery, right? The great Sean Connery. Great, uh, great English lad over there. Have they, I have this the, video up, and I still get comments on the other TikTok saying it's it's Ireland, it's Ireland. Have they have they eased off you at all, or are they? Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll get probably five comments a day at least. All right, we got to finish this survey out. Throw that up right now. I got to find out who Rooster thinks he could fight. Now he lost a battle at a steakhouse recently with a dead animal, but let's see which live animals yeah. he thinks he can defeat. Yeah. The Rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated, but you know, I, I would try a kangaroo. I'd go boxing with a kangaroo. I, th I think that's achievable, right? I, I saw, remember that one guy, there's that video of the dog that gets put in the headlock and yep. then that Australian dude just runs. Although he was like an Australian, like, like, you know, I, they're, they're built different. Yeah. I know your, your previous guest said that the wolf would run away, but wolves are huge. Yeah, um, I know. The wolf would mess. It, it's, it's a fight, you know, so we're not running. So yeah. a wolf would mess me up. 
I don't care how badass Liam Neeson thinks he is. He's he's dead at the end of that wolf movie. Um, and chimpanzees. You guys mentioned chimpanzees earlier. Like they'll they'll just rip you to pieces and laugh. No, Rachel about said it. chimps. Um, Rachel was like, chimps are way people mm-hmm. are way overconfident about chimps. Yeah. Chimps are super powerful. There was that lady who gave the chimp the Xanax and like it ripped her friend's yep. face off. Remember yeah. that story in like 2002? Yeah. No, it's Santa horrific. Barbara. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would stop just short of crocodile. You know, I'm a Florida man, so I, I, I see how people <laughs> wrangle them. And you got to be a pro. You got to be a pro. <laughs> Well, hey, these guys over here, they have a brand new podcast out on Podcast Players Now. They're talking to a team trucking group called Living Simple. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe. While you're over there, also click on What the Truck or download the Freightwaves TV app. You can watch this show whenever you want. Find them at Back the Truck Up. Find me at Timothy Dooner on the Twitter. Don't be a stranger and take care.